Welcome to Choosing Leadership and this is another episode of the Investor's Lens series with your host Somit Gupta. This series will look at leadership from the point of view of an investor or a VC. In each episode of this series we will explore what traits, behaviors or red flags investors see in their founders that they work with and how founders evolve over time as they grow and become better leaders. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to create organizations where people get to do the work of their lives. Together let us do our bit to create a world where all of us can show up as leaders. With that let us get started. Suresh Narsimhan is an early stage investor in student startups. He helps student entrepreneurs with funding, resources and connection and believes in co-creating rather than mentoring or advising. In the interview, we talk about the importance of having a vision and purpose for leaders. He shares he has absolute trust in the capabilities of youngsters and he learns from them more than he teaches them. Hi Suresh, welcome to the Choosing Leadership podcast. Hi Smith, great to talk to you. Wonderful, it's a pleasure to have you here and today you're part of a new series that I am starting which is Leadership from the Investor's Lens. And I think you have a background as an entrepreneur, as a leader yourself, and now as an investor. So I think it's a perfect place for you to come in and share your perspective. So can you, for everybody who is listening, who might be listening to this, can you share a little bit about your journey and like how have you traversed this path from being an entrepreneur to being an investor? Okay. For a small time, I was a techie. I was, I used to work for five, six years before I became an entrepreneur. And for most part of my life, I've been a deep tech entrepreneur. That's what I've been. Built several startups. Then I became an investor with a purpose in the sense, my first investment ventures were about helping companies that are worth surviving survive. For example, I went and invested in a library chain with the whole aim of making people read a lot more are invested in a coffee chain to make Indian coffee popular across the world, right? Premium coffee popular. So I started as a, what is a missionary investor. So I had some mm -hmm. missions from purpose, so I became an investor. Then I found even a bigger vision. So then for the last two years, I mean, as I call it, it's like I had a calling and I'm blessed to do what I'm doing. So I decided the best thing that can happen to country, world, students, everyone is when bright youngsters start becoming entrepreneurs, solving real problems. So today what I do is I just work with youngsters who are 19 years, 20 year old, who are in some of the brightest colleges, who are top 10% of the class. My whole job is to motivate them to become entrepreneurs and build their startups without dropping off from their education. Mm -hmm. I believe that they should continue to be in the college as they build their startups. That's what I do. Yeah. In the last two years, probably, we have invested in around 45 such startups. 60% of my entrepreneurs are girls. Startups have girls, students as entrepreneurs, which is also a very interesting perspective around leadership, which we will talk after some time. I'm a student of Indian aesthetics. Do a lot of reading and study around the whole Indian aesthetics space, whether it's music or Sanskrit or architecture of India. Thank you for sharing that. And I want to jump right into what you shared about like you being a missionary like investor also. 
And when you talked about calling purpose, as we often say, so what do you see that connection to leadership or to trying to create anything new in the world, right? For, for who is, anybody who is doing, trying to do that or who wants to do that in the future? See, I think it's a double-edged sword here. Probably some of the stuff that I say I talk today is slightly non-conventional stuff for this one. See, all leaders will have vision. They will have purpose. That's where they become yeah. And they have a strong purpose because of which they become the leader, right? You go through the history, you go any kind of leader, whether it's a corporate leader or whether it's the entrepreneurs or whether you are political leaders, religious leaders, they become leaders because they have a very strong purpose and they think they can go and change the world. That's where they get to. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, without purpose, it's very difficult to lead a team or even convince a team or to give them a clarity. When you have a vision, the best thing is when you have a vision which people who work with me believe, work with you believe in, that's where you will become a better leader. But the challenge here, Sumit, okay, the challenge here is many times what happens. In fact, this is what I've observed. As leaders, we have a vision. So yeah, it's not always possible for us to ensure that all the people, especially in the corporate world, all of them who follow you will carry that vision. So you will start forcing your vision onto them. And many times, that's where the friction starts. Right? So you think your vision is more important than anyone, anything else. You think what you are thinking are, you are the one who has to go and make the changes in the world. So many times vision ends up becoming part of the ego rather than becoming part of the purpose that you wanted to. My belief is that Stick to purpose, not the solution. Just you know that you need to go and solve something. You need to bring in some change, right? Just focus on that. The solutions, who will do it, etc. If you are flexible, probably you will be able to create lesser friction amongst people around mm-hmm. you. What I believe. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that's as you said, that's a tricky line. That's a fine balance. And especially when you're dealing with, as you said, college students or somebody so young. How do you guide them? Because they are also so young or inexperienced and early in their own growth as human beings that they might not have that context which or maturity which comes after five years or ten years of doing something. I have learned one thing there. I stopped guiding them. In fact, if you go and look, even on my LinkedIn, I said I don't mentor, I co-create. One of the reasons why I think I'm able to do what I'm doing is I have absolute trust in the capabilities of youngsters. I think... There is a lot more that I need to learn from them. It's yeah, all of us believe that youngsters are smarter, but not as hardworking as us. Start with the assumption that, oh, they don't have a lot more experience. So this one, right? For 99% of the stuff that we need to do in the world, the experience doesn't matter, right? Fresh thought, energy, commitment matters. And I've seen that in abundance with the youngsters. So in fact, I keep saying that. One other thing, I'm lucky to come to a position wherein I have, truly believe that there is nothing that youngsters can't do, right? So I can't think of any role. I can't think of anything that someone who is in 19 can't do, right? That's a blind faith I have in youngsters. That's Mm. right. I will never go mentor. I will never go on. I may answer questions, but I truly believe they know what they are doing. Otherwise, I don't think I would have, it would have been easy for me to work with so many youngsters. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I loved two elements, right? One is when you said that you trust them fully. 
and i think this is another key leadership skill which i observe like not just for like for people in your team but even outside that element of trust and seeing the good in people without wanting proof or reasons for doing so and that blanket trust in fact makes you more trustworthy if leaders can do so thank you for sharing that and the second thing which you mentioned i don't mentor i co create can you elaborate a little bit more on that how does that work out in real life in practice see when i say i don't mentor i'll never tell them this is what you should do i'll rather work with them get my hands ready and go and do that so unless i have this skill in the game unless i know that it's something which is worthwhile for me to do i will never ask them to do something like this so it's uh, it's about lot of things it's about dignity of the labor or it dignity of the work that you give them or it's about having the right skill in the game and uh, not asking them to do things that you yourself haven't done so lot of things mm. come in the reason why i say i don't mentor i'll co-create is mentoring normally what happens it's again you get a, get in there from the perspective of ego i have my experience so i figure out anything so is the approach with which you get in but when you say i'm co-creating with you then you are pretty much responsible for making sure that you also part of the execution so a lot of problems in life comes not not just because we don't think deep enough but also we don't execute well enough so that's the reason why i always say this right i don't mentor but i co-create that's extremely important for me from the philosophy on which i want to work with some of these students thank you thank you for sharing that and i think that's i would like to share like my own example when i first became a leader because i was good at what i was doing earlier i naturally became a mentor or like somebody who knew everything and who would tell everybody how to fix their problems right and that backfires massively if anybody has tried that and as you said then the ego comes into the place that i will show other people and that becomes a proof of my own validity or credibility and that has been a very tough journey for me to learn how to listen to learn how to allow people sometimes to make their own mistakes and then i do coaching right now which is very different from giving advice which is like asking questions but helping people come up with their own solutions and then jumping right in as you said right to jumping right in to have some skill in the game and to show them how i would do something or how that there could be different ways so thank you for adding that i think that's a wonderful perspective that you not only say but also practice and i'm sure that adds to the relationship massively that you have with these people in fact it's for example i mean when i started working with students you carry a lot of stereotypes so you think not stereotypes right so my biggest challenge was to break that barrier at least get some of this insist to believe that i'm not their parent i'm not their teacher i'm just someone who wants to work with them and then want with them they are successful i am successful it's and so just to break that barrier right or to understand or even to get to them was an amazing experience and yeah. in fact i believe i strongly believe that i became a better parent because of the way i work with my student entrepreneurs thank you thank you for sharing that now when it comes to your investment decisions are there any red flags or are there any behaviors that you watch out for which would lead to a negative decision can you share a bit more about that no i think slowly we have understood obviously all as far as, far as investment is concerned i'm rather going in an anti typical entrepreneurial way i am going after students who are smarter and brighter 
who may or may not have the required attitude to become entrepreneurs. Normally, in entrepreneurial circles, we say the quality of leadership, the academic marks has nothing to do with attitude is important. That's the, that's the theories that we follow on. Mm-hmm. For the investments that I'm making, for me, the most important thing is how disciplined they are, how well they are consistently they are scoring, how deep is the problem that they are thinking. A slightly, in fact, in most of the meetings when I go there, so... When I say that I am looking at the brightest students becoming entrepreneurs, they ask me, how do you defend bright? Only answer that I have at this point of time is their academic record. Pretty controversial. Not many of them agree with me. And I'm not saying they're wrong, but that's the only criteria with which I can get in. But again, what I feel is when entrepreneurs get a purpose, when the students find a purpose, that's how the stuff will happen automatically. So I normally tell students there are only three, four things that I will ask them to do. Start reading. You can't, there are no entrepreneur who has not well read. So just start reading and if possible, start reading a lot more of fiction rather than your business books, academics or self-help books. Just go and read fiction, read classics. So that will just give you a better perspective on humans. Second one, I ask them, Start learning the local language, local culture, local cuisine and know how to talk to the security guard on the outside or an auto driver on the street. So when you start working with the people, then you will start becoming slightly more human. And in fact, third point that I will tell all my entrepreneurs is just go and work for an NGO or not for profit. So for some time, so without expecting anything, when you start working with an NGO or not for profit, you will start realizing that you can work without expecting any returns. Anyway, many times you are not sure about the returns, what is that you get. But because you are working for a not-for-profit, and again, all the entrepreneurs will end up becoming philanthropists for the same reason. These are the only three things that I normally tell them to do. So if you can do that, let's do that. But I think as far as negative flags are concerned in terms of their attitude, etc. Of course, integrity and other things, those things are very fundamental. But students are so smart that they will convince you that they have very high integrity. They are very good, etc. They are super smart. Yeah. So we'll take the rest and then hopefully they'll get better. That's the risk that we carry to. Yeah. So our list is more from the perspective of the kind of ideas than the kind of people at this point of time. But we do have a lot of positive lists, right? For example, the things that I mentioned are the positive, right? Mm-hmm. Working for a not-for-profit, are they part of the student clubs? How go, I mean, how well they work with others? How will they help? In fact, one of the biggest, this one is, if the team has a girl as leader, we invariably see, a, we see I can I have the data to prove that now. The teams that had girl in the leadership position did remarkably better than teams other way around. In fact, our, if you ask me what are the top three kind of companies that deliver very well, first one is a team with women at the core. Someone who will put together the team, who will bring the team together, who can manage it. That's the first one. Second one, actually, the single founders, all the you know, single founder teams. And the third is the other, I mean, any other. I mean, these are the two days. So this story. There are a lot of logic that we have figured out why this is happening like this, but that's a reality. So Yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing those three three points which you ask. I think that's there is so much wisdom there, which you can learn by doing rather than not by talking about it. So thank you for sharing that. And now coming to the second thing which you mentioned, right? Can you share elaborate a bit more on that? So 
what does having a woman as a founder or in the founding team what does that do how does that help so somebody who might be listening and who has no idea how would you what is your understanding of that now see first i want to step back a bit so in the vc ecosystem or even in the corporate we find it so difficult to get i mean girls so the whole discussion of equal opportunity and stuff like that for us what i realized is if you when you are in college i'm i'm sure even you know that some of the brightest ones when we were studying are the girls but when we get to the when we get to career we hardly see them because they have many other priorities they have families they have their own challenges so they have whether it's any culture that you take globally you take any culture they have their own challenges right so they are it's not just say india story but because we started working with the colleges suddenly girls found a college so now it's a here it's a equal opportunity and they were the ones who wanted to come and grab it the girl who wants to become entrepreneurs in college are probably the ones who are lot more mature so they are the ones who are going to say that why should i go and get into a corporate job let me go and build the innovation so one is there is a natural filtering that happens when you get to the college and the this one else they are much more smarter but more importantly the reason why Uh, they are successful or they are able to hold the team together is that they are lot more emotionally balanced which you normally know mm-hmm. second i think when it comes to youngsters there is a natural acceptance of someone who is smarter someone who is mature right within the we know it as friends someone who is slightly more mature this one irrespective of the gender we start following them and respect them so all these our friends etc will start coming up only after we get older right when we find a girl in the corporate it becomes that much more difficult for us to accept and vice versa similarly we are much better of listening to our daughters than listening to our spouses i think it's just the frame of mind at the young age mm-hmm. makes it and and naturally the some a girl who is at 20 is lot more mature than a boy at 20 right in terms of their understanding in terms of even managing the situation probably some of the reasons why they are doing much better so, thank you yeah yeah and as you continue to work with these these founders and very young entrepreneurs over a period of time what do you see as as they taste success or as they do not taste success right they try something and it doesn't work out what do you see as some of those like critical moments that they need to either learn or accept to become better leaders to become better entrepreneurs and grow in their own journey see i think uh, see when they are successful naturally there is you know either ways so yeah. when they are is what worries us we go normally go and try to tell them there is still a long road ahead because it's for my startups it's very easy to taste the initial success because they are young they are 20 building some very interesting startups the whole world wants to come and mentor them so to come and advise them on what they should do and then give them awards call them on the stage so obviously we call it i mean it's a pr pawn there the better words are in local languages but this one it's you can say that still out there but i think it's their maturity people students who are mature will understand it we can't we can coach we can tell them if they are if they are in a position to listen to us but what happens here unlike for a regular coaching assignment 
right here they are not committed to listening to anyone every anyone who will they will listen to whatever they like and you just need to handle case by case basis yeah that's a very tough question in fact when they fail it's lot more easier you just need to go and give them and show some more commitment right it's lot more easier to manage the situation when they fail so especially in a structure like ours where it's easier for me to just add a bridge or do whatever is required to help them go through that scenario that's the kind of structure that we have created but success is always tricky and we have seen that getting into their head etc again as i believe i again i just trust that these youngsters are a lot more smarter they will figure out what's there it's yeah. so yeah can you share a bit more i can understand those conversations can become tricky so how do you first of all manage your own balance what do you do personally for yourself to keep that balance and to not many times like to not tempt yourself to reply back in kind and then how do you deal with them in a conversation so that the outcome is is like good for all parties involved right no i think uh, it's no i can't say that i manage it very well to be this one there's still a lot of learning that we need to do and i still mm-hmm. believe yeah, I, i will end up facing lot more tricky situations for next one year than what i faced in two years i think as i said there are only who just keep it to fundamentals right so as long you are aligned right i believe this so the most important first important thing in a startup is the entrepreneur not the idea right not the idea right it's a entrepreneur and luckily the vc culture it's not just about me right you go and look at most of the vcs worldwide they think from the founders perspective bus that's the culture that has been ingrained in the whole vc ecosystem thanks to whoever got this so you know that your first focus is on the entrepreneur and then you genuinely try to think from the entrepreneur's perspective so when you are think obviously not many times you will have the the way you are thinking and the way entrepreneur wants you to think may not be the same because at the end of the day entrepreneur may be thinking about what is possible within his comfort zone so he may be thinking about it from the perspective of let's say short term gain which is to understand how entrepreneurs wants to think but what i feel is as long as you are genuine as long as you can go back to sleep peacefully saying that i have done whatever the best i could have done hmm. right to contact you can go and tell them i think most of the things will be in shape so there will always be friction but because you are thinking from the first principles as to what is best for the entrepreneur what is best for all the stakeholders and you take some effort to explain it whether they listen or not at least you are in the peace of mind so then it's philosophical whatever has to happen will happen so that's the way you need to take it yeah but very long and what i've learned is i stopped over engineering i stopped when i know the solution that solution can help i stopped over emphasizing on this is the solution etc because there are a lot more reasons why an idea can fail why the wrong idea can survive so it's i have learned the art of accepting that okay maybe there is a even the solution that i think is not possible may work out right because at the end of the day as an investor you are in a position that you can say that you can't go and execute so as much as i am an entrepreneur i am very hands on you know that at the end of the day you need an entrepreneur because he is the one who is the piece of it at the end of the day he 
convinced about what he, he or she has to do. Yeah. So that's uh, the ones who get that understanding that there are uh, this is there you can only control this much. Things yeah. will start. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Suresh. I think if you can go to sleep happy and uh, like proud and satisfied, I don't think that, uh, anything else matters. So thank you for that wonderful like nugget. And uh, there's a lot there. But we don't have like the time to talk, but to bring it to a close, can you share what kind of companies or in, or people do you invest in? If somebody who is listening, what would be like, what would bring them to you, to you? And then what is the best way to reach out? I am available on all social media. I will be the easiest guy to reach out to. Upon LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. If you look for Suresh Narsimha co-create, you should be able to find me wherever you want. Or you can look at Suresh, Suresh at co-create.ventures. Easier to find me on social media than to remember my email ID. So the companies, it's very clear. I need deep innovation. I, we don't invest in Jugaad innovation. I don't believe in. I only get in the idea stage because we have a chance to mold them in the direction in which they can be a lot more successful. Idea stage, deep innovation and students. So students who are still studying, who are in their 19th or second or third year of undergrad is what we focus on. As long as these three criteria are met, we are happy to support them in whatever way we can. Anything other than these are always an exception, but our core focus is students, idea stage and deep tech. A deep innovation is what we do. Thank you, Suresh, once again for sharing everything and giving us a glimpse into your life, into the specific area or the kind of people that you invest in which is i think is quite quite unique and yeah keep following your calling i wish you all the best for everything that lies ahead thanks thanks nice talking to you best of yes best that's it for this episode of choosing leadership with sumit gupta i choose leadership every time i record this podcast and i invite you to do the same i invite you to design a life of joy meaning pride and satisfaction this is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. If you like the sound of it, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs ups, ratings and reviews mean a lot to me and my team. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality and thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. And until next time, keep choosing leadership.